Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, John Shookman, and I am so thankful to have you with me for today's episode. A huge thank you to Jennifer Harshman and Harshman Services for sponsoring today's podcast episode. I'm so thankful for the team at Harshman Services for being a part of helping my business and for sponsoring the podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide. So honored to have you with us and honored to have you with us for today's interview. I am thrilled to have a great guest for you guys today, my friend Amber Furman. So I first met Amber this spring at PodFest in Orlando, and it was my first PodFest and her uh, in-person podcast event. And if I can say anything about Amber, she is like the connector. So we met and, you know, really enjoyed um, meeting each other and connecting about what she did. And every time I would run into her, she would say, have you met this person? Have you met? And so she she's really great at connecting people. So Amber is also an attorney. And she runs the More Than Corporate podcast. She also is a, a success architect, which I love that term. And I'm in, I'll, we'll have to dive into that with her, an NLP trainer and a podcaster. And she helps business owners and entrepreneurs get out of their own way, understand their mindset blocks, and stop sabotaging their life. Her experience through law school, NLP training, obstacle course racing, including a 24-hour endurance race, have given her incredible skills, perspectives, and knowledge that place her in a unique opportunity to help her clients design their lives and have the courage to live it. She's been featured on tons of podcasts in the top 100 attorneys in Las Vegas in 2019, the top 100 women in Las Vegas in 2022, and her goal and mission is to make sure that every single person knows that they don't have to settle in their life and that if they don't have everything that they want, the only reason for that is themselves. With the right tools and resources, there's a way to accomplish the life that they deserve. So Amber, your journey has been incredible. So honored to have met you and so thankful you're on the show today. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to meet. And I'm so glad that my need to be this like social butterfly has come in helpful in my entrepreneurial career because I, um, being a connector, I feel like if there's anything that people need to be good at in order to become valuable in any industry, it is the ability to connect other people. Um, that is a skill that I think everybody should learn how to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I shared on the intro, you know, about what you did, how you're an attorney. I, you know, at PodFest, my first session, I sat down and you were leading a session with Larry Roberts. And I've actually talked about that session on the podcast because, well, mostly a lady stood up when you guys asked for Q&A and she said, well, I just want to figure out how to monetize. And I was like, I got to correct this lady. And so I said, I kind of, I think I asked Larry, can I say something? Well, your goal is to serve people. Like if you go with it, with the goal of monetizing, you're going to fail. If you go with it, serve, the money will come after. But I was so intrigued by your journey as an attorney, still an attorney. What made you decide to start everything you're doing and the more than corporate podcast? 
I love this question so much because when people ask it, I'm sure that they're looking for some sort of a really intelligent answer. And unfortunately, the real answer is I had a mental breakdown and I had to figure out how to pick up the pieces of my life. Mm. And I say that a little bit jokingly, but the reality is here's the interesting thing about life. We can go through life thinking, man, that was my rock bottom. That was my rock bottom. And then you hit a moment and you're like, okay, that has to be it, right? Like that has to be my rock bottom. And for me, it was kind of that that shift. In 2016, I hit what I consider to be my rock bottom. And it ironically wasn't the loss of my dad, which most people would think it should have been. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a lot of the trauma that I've had in my life. It was the moment that I realized that all of the hard work that I had put into building my life wasn't going to take away the pain that I was running from. And that came in 2016 as an attorney when I had everything I'd worked so hard for. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting at a desk saying, when does this get better? Because it was supposed to happen by now. Um, And long story short, after realizing that life didn't work that way. Um, And the panic attacks and the anxiety attacks and the therapy, I had to pull myself out of that hole. And when I did, I realized how many people live there and how many people think that that space of, I have to work and then I can enjoy my life. Or Mm -hmm. what kills me the most is when I talk to people and they say, yeah, I mean, I'm not happy, but I've only gotten like nine more years and then I can retire. And (laughs) I just like die a little bit inside every single time I hear somebody say that. So as I rebuilt everything I was about and I felt for the first time what it was like to live a life that you were proud of and happy with and to live a life where you knew that work and life went together, not as work being a price you had to pay for life, then I realized that this was a message I had to share with everybody that I knew. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. where the podcast came from. Yeah. One of the cool things about your journey is, and again, you've had the success as an attorney, you've had success, um, but then realizing, okay, something is more, okay, there's different things, and then going and doing it. I feel like here, you know, as I speak to realtors every day, I just this morning spoke to a realtor in New York and they said, I'm I'm slower in my business than I've ever been. And I'm like, oh, how long have you been a realtor? Thinking they've been a realtor one years, two years, kind of, you know, I just hit three years in real estate. And they said, I've been a realtor 12 years. And I said, what in the, I, and I, I wasn't insulting them, but I said like, w- like, okay, l- let me teach you. Let me try to teach you some things to grow your business. But it was almost like he was so stuck in his head that he's like, nope, I I don't have a chance for success. People aren't going to work with me because I'm older, because I'm this, because I'm that. So, and I think so many people, you know, as I coach realtors too, another piece is there's so many who I know could have amazing success in real estate, but they're doing it on the side. They're not willing to step out into their entrepreneurial journey full time and take that risk. Like, and I've shared some of my journey with you, but I was working a $40,000 a year job and lost my job. And Vincent Puglisi, who's a mentor of mine, said, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. And I didn't realize it at the time, but then I'm like, wait, the only limiting thing on my income now is me, not 
some job. So I'm, I'm kind of going around to, to get to the question. How have you dealt with clients that have been in a job so long and say, no, there is no other way there is. I'm stuck in this. How have you kind of coached them that this isn't the only path? Yeah, it's really interesting because we don't make a change until we get that pain that's so strong that we're like, okay, I can't deal with this anymore. And part of what I want to do is help people understand that it doesn't have to get that bad before you start to make a shift. And that's really where the name more than corporate came from, because we live in a society where for the most part, growing up, we're taught that our value and what we're going to add to the world and who we are as a person is directly tied to where we're going to fall in the workplace. And then we start working and we start climbing a corporate ladder or we start leading teams or whatever profession we find ourselves in. And, you know, how many networking events do you go to or dinners do you go to? And the first thing you meet somebody, and you're like, hi, my name is Amber. It's nice to meet you. What is the first question somebody asks you every time? What do you do? And I hate yeah. that question. I hate it. <laughs> what do you do? Well, that has caused us to place our worth as human beings directly in relation to what we do for a living. So when we start talking about shifting our career, it's not as easy as saying, hey, yesterday I worked in this building and tomorrow I'm going to go work in this building and I'm mm -hmm. going to do a completely different set of tasks. We have to separate this identity that we've created for ourselves as this person where that's what our value comes from and now create it as I have value as a person independent of what my career is. And that's where I really start with my clients because going through my journey, this is really what, what I had to go through. I got threatened with, and it's so funny because like, you know, those, <laughs> you know, those stories where Kids are infamous for this. If you have kids, you know this completely where the world is ending and it's like an anthill of <laughs> a problem, right? So um, I got my first bar complaint in 2017. And to me, the world was ending. Mm -hmm. And I kept reaching out to attorneys saying, hey, I need you to tell me what I can do with my life now that I can't be an attorney anymore. And they said, well, Amber, that's a little excessive, don't you think? And I'm like, no, they're going to take my bar license away. And he's like, no, you're not really an attorney until somebody complains about the work you've done. And I'm like, no, that's not the answer you're supposed to give me. And I kept calling people. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that I am who I am today because I never found the person that would tell me that the sky was falling. So I called like seven mm. attorneys and I wanted somebody to acknowledge that my life was over because I could no longer be an attorney. And instead I got, um, welcome to the real world. You're a real attorney now. Some stuff I'm not sure I can say on this podcast. <laughs> and, um, you know, time to put your big girl pants on basically. And, you know, to fast forward a little bit, the bar complaint got dismissed. There was no truth or fact to it at all. But during that time frame where my brain thought I'm not going to be able to be an attorney anymore, I was faced with that question of if I can't be an attorney, who am I and what value do I have? Yeah. And it was terrifying because my answer was none, zero. And 
being able to recreate and answer those questions are so incredibly important to be able to do. I want to talk about the real estate industry for just a minute, though, because I think that this is a unique question for realtors, because I don't know any other industry that is like realtors where nobody really wakes up, or I won't say nobody, few people wake up and they say, man, I really want to be a realtor when I grow up. (laughs) Like something pushes you in that direction. The loss of a job and you think I got to make money quick. Oh, wait, I see realtors doing this and they do a good job. Or I'm unhappy in my nine to five and I want to make a shift. What can I get into that's not going to cost me a lot to get into that has a big earning potential? Oh, real estate is that thing. Mm -hmm. But what happens is people underestimate the amount of effort that it takes to be successful in the field. So then they're stuck, right? Because they've got one foot in their nine to five. They've got one foot in this new life that they see real estate being able to create for them, which it can. Mm -hmm. But in order for that, it has to be a commitment. It has to be um, a consistency that... In order to create, you have to leave your identity as a nine to five employee behind. And that's where most people live their life is as a nine to five employee who does real estate on the side. Mm -hmm. And then they end up paying to have a real estate license because they never make any money, but they can't let it go because that's the future that they see in their way out of their nine to five. I, I love I love everything that you're saying. I will. It's so funny because I'm as I take notes here, even you saying, what do you do in 2019? When I lost my job, I realized, oh, everyone asks you what you do. And so I had to and I, I didn't even think about this really until now. I would walk up and ask a different question like, oh, tell me about your family. Tell me about what you enjoy doing, mostly because I had so much value like I shouldn't, but I had so much value in my job and then I lost my job. So I felt like I had no value, but I try, like I was nervous. I tried to shift the question so that they wouldn't say, Oh, where do you work? Where do you work? Yeah. So, and so such a good point for people to pay attention to. And what you're saying about realtors is so good. So, so the last job I had before I, so when I got fired, February 26, 2019, I worked at a bank. Now, I, I love that the, you know the date. Oh, it's it's like traumatizing. Yeah, I will never <laughs> forget it. I feel like every every 26th of the month, I think about it. And every February 26th, I think like this year actually had been two years. I posted about like how I didn't want to be alive, the emotional, mental mm. breakdown I went into. But it's funny now God's blessed me and like our family incredibly like to provide these opportunities in real estate. But what I will say is, you know, how you say, you know, they have to be willing to walk out like, you know, and, and try it when I was working in a branch. Now I got a promotion and then got fired from that management training program. When I was working in a branch, I made $40,000. Okay. There was someone on our real estate team who got his license, saw the potential to have a six figure income in real estate, left a job at Giant, like a grocery store, to take a job at this bank as the exact position I had in the branch, a customer service representative. And I'm like, you're going to make $40,000 a year. Now, he never confirmed his salary. Like, it might have been a little more. But I said to him, uh, I won't say his name here, but he's no longer a realtor. But, But I said to him, I'm like, do you realize the potential in real estate? And he kind of said, but I need this money. And I'm like, then stay at a grocery store, work at Walmart. I mean, when I got into real estate, I Ubered, I DoorDashed, I Grubhubbed, anything I could do for my car. And I actually, I say to people, 
I would like so if I were picking you, you know, I remember picking up some girl at Target and she was driving home, you know, 15 minutes from work. So I asked her about her job and it was like, you're my captive audience for 15 minutes. Yes. So by the end of that conversation, I was like, oh, do you rent where we're driving or do you own? Oh, I rent. Have you ever thought about purchasing a home now? It sucked. It sucked. It was terrible. OK, like it was not fun. Like me and my wife are so thankful to God that we survived that season. But I did what I had to do. Made no money in real estate for nine months. Right. So I get fired in February, licensed in August, five days before our son's born, our first child. And then I didn't make any money till the next April, two thousand dollars. So basically 15, 16 months. But what did I do? Anything I could. Right. I didn't say, oh, no, I'm just going to go back to a nine to five. Or you didn't sit on the couch and say, I'm not going to go back to a nine to five and I'm not going to do anything else. I mean, and here's what people fail to understand that I hope if you take nothing else from this episode, I hope that you take this. And that is that movement creates results. And that's a mic. That's a mic drop. Movement creates results. Yeah. Even more importantly, movement in the wrong direction for a short period of time will create greater results than no movement at all. And this was so hard for me to understand. I was at an event because I look, look, anybody who knows me is going to say, of course, anybody who doesn't may be shocked by this. I used to be a perfectionist and still that creeps into my little mind and I have to like push it out and say perfection doesn't exist. But believe me, like I want things to be perfect, except my desk. I showed John my desk earlier today. (laughs) Um, It is not perfect. But what ends up happening is we get in this analysis paralysis where we don't take any action and then we don't have any lessons to learn from to be able to analyze. So I'm at a conference in a few months ago. I don't even know when it's all a blur at this point. Um, and I was speaking at the conference and the speaker that came before me said he, he gave a bunch of leadership tips and differences between fortune 500 CEOs and the people sitting in that room. If you want to be successful Mm -hmm. as a fortune 500 CEO. And one of the things that he said that makes fortune 500 CEOs different is that they are, they would rather make a bad decision than no decision at all. Mm. That's like the, what I, I was actually Googling it while you were talking Newton's law of physics, objects in motion, stay in motion. Yes. Yeah. Now this is where, the success architect side of things and the life will side of things all come into play because we want to make sure that your movement is going in the direction that you want it to go. But I can't make your movement go in the direction that it needs to go if there's no movement in the first place. So I would rather you get started saying, I don't even know if this is right or not, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then I'm going to adjust And then we adjust and we make sure it's going in the right direction. So I'm not saying go in the wrong direction for a long period of time. I'm saying go any direction you can until you know where you want to go. Walk through open doors, like just take the next step, walk through open doors. That's really good. So so I would love to ask um, if you. okay. so so we kind of have talked a little bit and and your journey kind of shows us, hey, you got to step out in faith, go to opportunities. 
What about lawyers, right? What about those? So, so even <laughs> this is a dangerous question. I don't even know no, what no. you're going to ask, and it's a dangerous question. So, okay, so even like lawyers, or I just interviewed someone on my podcast that was on Wall Street. So it's e- it's kind of I think almost easier to convince someone working forty thousand dollars at a bank to leave. Yes. Maybe you have a six figure income. How do you convince? A lawyer, a Wall Street person, someone in finance making three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year, some like money some of us can't even like imagine. How do you convince them who they make a ton of money, but as you kind of realized, it didn't, you know, making money doesn't bring happiness, success in law doesn't bring happiness. How do you convince them maybe it's time to step into something new when they're like, but look at the paycheck? Yeah. Um, there has to be a moment in their life. Like there's 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 no convincing it has to be continuously dropping seeds so that when that moment happens that they've heard your voice and it's landed in some way when they're ready to hear it this question is the reason i do what i do um and Mm. there's a couple of things that lead up to where i am now as far as thought process. And I think it's incredibly important for people to understand. I interviewed a girl on my show who has a podcast called The Angry Pharmacist. It was a pharmacist turned diabetic health coach. And she left the pharmaceutical industry because she was so tired of the constant medication that went into things, the lack of human connection, the looking at people as a chart and prescribing medication instead of looking at individualized results. And she said a quote on our episode that changed the way I think about this question. She said, what I learned is that grad school trains the human out of you. And attorneys, pharmacists, doctors, CPAs, anybody who has gone to postgraduate education deals with this a lot, where law school didn't teach me how to be an attorney. Law school taught me how to pass a test. Mm -hmm. And then the bar exam. Law school taught me how to pass the bar exam. The bar exam taught me how to become or how to get licensed and get a piece of paper on the wall. I learned how to be an attorney by doing it. And I know that's terrifying for most people, but that's the way doctors work. That's the way, I mean, it's just the way it goes, right? In that process, in order for us to do that, we have to start looking at things from a non-emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. You, Everything has to become a set of facts because as emotional as your legal cases, as your medical experiences, as emotional as that is to you, to us, it has to be a set of analytical decisions that we can figure out what is actually going on in your body, in your case, in the legal, whatever it is. The problem with that is that we get dug into that world where we shut off that part of us that knows how to feel and connect with people. Mm. And then you have the money side of things. And until something happens that shocks that emotion back into us, money's all that matters. My mentor and I were having a conversation about a year after I started the coaching business and the podcast. He says, how's it all going? And I said, it's going great. My goal is to help attorneys understand that they might not have the 10 years they think they have to wait out this miserable life they have and that they've got to figure out what they actually want their life to be like. 
I said, and, and what I'm learning is that there's two different types of attorneys. There's the attorneys that are the lifers that are going to be practicing law one day. And we're going to be like, this is morbid going to their funeral, like five days later and not because they had to, but because they loved it so much that they wanted to work until they could no longer work. Now I question that thought process because I wonder whether they actually love it enough or whether they just shut off the world to where they didn't think about how miserable they were, but that's not my Mm -hmm. analysis to make. Then there's the rest of us. And the rest of us are people who have created a life for ourselves that maybe we couldn't have imagined otherwise. And we don't know whether that life can be created through other means. And so we're doing everything that we can to hold on to that and try to stay sane Mm -hmm. while not being completely miserable about our circumstances. And I'm telling him this and he says, yeah, I don't know what those people feel like. Like, I don't know what it feels like to be that kind of attorney. And I said, what kind of attorney? And he says, the kind that loves practicing law. Mm. And I said, you've been doing this for 25 years. And he said, yeah, and I haven't loved a day of it. Wow. And I said, why? Why? Why haven't you found something else? And he's like, where else am I going to make this kind of money? Yep. That conversation sticks in the back of my head and drives everything that I do. Because I'm never going to be able to convince him that money's not everything, but there's going to come a moment where he's going to realize that there has to be a better way. And when he does, my voice is going to be in his ear and he's going to reach out and say, Hey, let's have a conversation. Yeah. So that's the biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody in any industry is just because you feel like the words that you're saying aren't evoking change right now, doesn't mean that you stop saying them. It means that you continue to talk to people so that when their circumstances change, when they have the moment that I had where I'm sitting in a hotel room in Reno, eight hours away from my house, getting ready for court and I start having panic attacks and anxiety attacks and I can't eat and I can't breathe and I don't know what way is Mm -hmm. up and what way is down. When they have that moment and they say, I never want to feel like this again, you can say, let me show you how you can make sure that you don't. And I'm proof that you don't have to leave behind the career that you've worked so hard for. You just get to decide what you want that career to look like and how it's going to fit into the life that you want to have instead of trying to build your life around a career you hate. I love this so much because when I look at you, I'm like, she's changing the industry, right? She's changing the industry because so many people look at lawyers as like, um, they're either unhappy or dishonest or lying. Like, like when I think of attorneys, or all three. Yeah. When I think of attorneys, <laughs> I think of the movie like liar, liar, because yes. that's how they've been perceived of like, they just lie and lie. And so I think you're like, you're changing the industry to the point where like, you can be a lawyer and, and I'm, I'm sure you have hard and stressful days as a lawyer, right? Obviously, like I, I have them as in real estate, but you get to be in law, but change how it's done, like be a part of like changing things. And I think looking at stuff you're doing, looking at things like Larry Roberts, who like I just interviewed I and who Larry. I saw, like looking at people like that, it's like, wait, you don't have to be in this box. You can be an attorney and love what you do. And I'm sure that, you know, there's hard days, but you do love what you do. Like you can love real estate. You can. And so I think it's so cool because it like I feel like for hundreds of years, lawyers have been a certain way. And you're like, wait a second, they don't have 
to be like this. Yeah, Why it does it have, have to, to be, be like this? this? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest compliments that I have ever gotten came recently when the organizer of so I'm in an organization for immigration attorneys and I've spoken at our national conference multiple times about legal stuff. But the organizer of our local chapter reached out and said, hey, I am creating this law practice management conference and I've been watching you and I would love for you to come lead a track on mental health in the legal industry at this conference. And I'm like, I'm there 100%. That's so cool. Um, Speaking to law school students, like if I'm going to, like I joke about how nobody should ever go to law school but I don't mean it like you should go to law school. If you want to go to law school, you shouldn't go to law school. If you think that the pain of losing your dad at 18 is going to go away with a law degree, but you Mm -hmm. should go to law school if you want to go to law school. Yeah. And I love talking to law school students and putting that seed in their head that the 80 hour work weeks don't have to happen. Yeah. That you don't have to work in a firm with 17 attorneys that $80,000 a year as a solo practitioner is good enough. If that's good enough for you, Mm -hmm. like, I have an attorney friend of mine who had a huge law firm in Las Vegas and she scaled it down and just bought a van. (laughs) She like is living in her van and practicing whatever law she can out of her van with a, with a virtual office. And I'm like, that's the, the horribleness of COVID has brought out the amazing part of human nature of realizing that we don't have to live to work. I love it. Well, else and i think that's why you know the great the you know all the newspapers and fox and cnn and blah 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 were covering the great resignation well yeah because these employees who got treated you know like dirt for three cents more per hour per you know every yes. year got sick of it and said i'm not gonna do this and they put their foot down and said i'm not coming to the office or i'm gonna do this and if you won't do it and again, I'm I'm very much an anti W two or sometimes, but if you can work a W two that you love and they take then care of it. you, then absolutely do it. But don't just work there because you that's what you think you were supposed to do, or that's what you were told to do. You know, that's what's wrong with the personal development industry right now. And I'm glad that the rhetoric is shifting. And, you know, I really think that if we were to listen to full speeches, we would probably get the whole picture. But what you get is the snippets that people clip out for social media and somebody that doesn't have the attention span for a 45 minute conversation is like, oh, this guy says that I should quit my job and go work 100 hours a week at yard sales. Right. Like, which is not (laughs) what that person said at all. Yeah. But what happens is the rhetoric gets switched to saying that you should quit your job. You should do whatever you need to do to make ends meet. And the reality is you should not do that. You should absolutely being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. I Mm -hmm. love it, Mm -hmm. but there are days. Do you know how many days there are that I was like, God, do you know what I would give for like a job in and out right now? (laughs) Like go to work and flip burgers and go home and know that none of my work except for the smell of grease is going to follow me home Mm -hmm. to know that when I go back to work, there's not a stack of papers that I have to deal with. There's just whoever comes through. That's what I miss about the service industry. Mm -hmm. And there were moments that I was like, I'm going to go back to bartending because I just don't want to do this anymore. And then I was like, but they're going to schedule me and something's going to come up that I want to do. And I'm going to have to go to work instead. Yeah, And that just sounds horrible. But for some people, the 
security that comes along with somebody else creating that for you is what they want and need in their life. And worth the trade-off. of, And it's worth the trade-off. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not. Yep. For me, it's not always fun. For me, sitting at home going, you know what? I'm not really sure where payroll is going to come from in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that if I put my feet to the ground, that it's going to happen. Like there, I, I, If you meet an entrepreneur that says, I've never worried about how I'm going to pay my staff, they are lying. But the reality is that We've all struggled. We've all been there. We all as entrepreneurs have had that moment where the universe has tested us and said, I'm going to find out how bad you want this. Yeah. And for some people, it's not. And that's okay. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to bring up In-N-Out Burger, though, because we don't have it. And all I hear about is you're going to be like, oh, I'm from Las Vegas. So I'm just going to talk about In-N-Out Burger. When What do you guys have? I don't know. Sonic, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't know what would compare to In-N-Out Burger because I haven't been there. Five guys. <laughs> okay. So when you get close to Vegas, we will take you to In-N-Out Burger. It's, <laughs> it's I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it's a cultural thing more. Like, do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder? And this is just super squirrel moment. This is marketing 101. Do you ever wonder whether food tastes good or whether you've just been told it's supposed to taste good? So you're like, man, I really like this burger. Whereas like if we hadn't had all of the societal pressure to love in and out on the West coast, like would we really think that the burger tastes good? I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) question for thoughts. Well, this is so cool. And, and I'm seriously so proud of what you're doing. Thank you for your time. Tell us uh, something I love asking our guests. Now, this can be trauma. This can be losing dad. You've, you've been through you've been through heck, right? <sighs> um, take us quickly to a point in your life where um, and tell us what it is real quick. And just what would be a piece of advice you would give yourself at that time if you were sitting across the table from yourself? So I'm going to go. God, there's so many to choose from. I'm going to go to the loss of my dad Hmm. Um, and not for the reasons most would think. I feel like when I lost my dad, I had already had so much trauma in my life that it was kind of the nail in the coffin in my willingness to connect with people. Hmm. And I would love to go back and tell myself that the potential pain is worth the amazing, beautiful human connection. Mm-hmm. And that nothing good comes from closing yourself off to relationships. And then also along those same lines, remind myself, because this took me a long time to learn, that being in the moment with a human connection is much more important than wondering how long that person's going to be in your life. So whether it's a 10 minute conversation at the airport with somebody that you get to make their day better, or they get to make yours better, or whether it's a 30 year marriage, you have an opportunity to impact those around you, but you can only do it if you're willing to allow yourself to be seen. And you can only do that if you're willing to get hurt. Hmm. That's good. Well, that's that's good. And it's so, so interesting because it goes like going back to the beginning. I didn't know some of these things, but you're such a good connector now, like I said. So you've like learned, 
healed now to the point where like when I think of you, the first word was like connector, where like you're the person that at PodFest everybody wanted to be around, right? You're speaking. You've been given amazing opportunities in your life. Life is hard, right? But maybe had you not been willing to finally be like, nope, I need to connect with people. This is going to be hard. This is going to be emotional. You were willing to do the work required. And now, I mean, especially as I see like in the podcasting community, you know, and in what you're building, like you're like one of the people that people looks at and is like, she's doing it. She's changing lives. She's changing the industry of like practicing law. Right. I think it's a reminder for everyone out there. Like you've got to work through the pain, step out of your comfort zone, be willing to bet on yourself all of those things. So Yeah, absolutely. And if I can just share with your people, if you guys have not stumbled yet across Brene Brown, it was her series of TED Talks that really started to hone this in for me. So she has three TED Talks. They take about an hour to watch. And honestly, there was a point in my life where I would watch them every single day because mm. I needed to be reminded that human connection was not only okay, but it was necessary. Um, and it really became the foundation of so much that I do. So if anybody out there is saying, I just don't even know where to start, that would be my suggestion. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'll make sure we get those links in the show notes and stuff. So as we, as we kind of close out, you you know the real estate industry you know what realtors are going through but there's there's realtors out there i and i told you before we were recording about one i connected with this morning there's realtors out there that are struggling that feel frustrated that feel like they cannot survive the market shifting all these things what would be a piece of advice you would give them so i'm going to go back to the human connection side of things too too many people think that in order to be successful they have to hide the things that they're feeling, that if they were to look at somebody and say, man, I'm really nervous and scared that somebody would look at them and say, well, I don't want to do business with you. But the reality is that the home buyer is just as nervous and scared as you are. The yeah. home buyer is just as nervous about whether or not now's the right time to buy. Like, What is the market going to do? And by opening up and allowing them, you know, maybe not sharing your fears about whether or not you're going to be successful in your industry because we need some confidence from you. But being willing to open up to say that you understand the fears and the insecurities that they have about the other side of it. And mm -hmm. that only comes off as authentic and genuine if you truly open yourself up to that. The other thing that I would say is take some courses or learn to understand human connection. So John mentioned in the beginning that I'm a certified NLP trainer, and that has made a huge impact in my ability to communicate with people because I've learned the styles of communication. How can I talk to different people in different ways to make sure that we're connecting on an unconscious level and they trust me and they know me? And so for me, I would say really dig into communication styles, but more than that, be willing to share your vulnerabilities and be willing to acknowledge that everything that you're feeling is a human emotion that your buyers are feeling as well. And the more that they believe you can relate to them, the more likely they are to trust you with one of the most important purchases of their life. 
That's so good. I'll even share with you. So and this is for the audience as well. Me and my wife, we've kind of, you know, we paid off our house, but we thought about like, do we move? Do we do this? We looked at a house recently. Now we ended up not making an offer, but for about 24 hours, we were like, do we offer? It's not in our preferred location, but it's beautiful. But it's da da da. And like for 24 hours, I like literally got a headache thinking I, I can't think about this anymore. I'm stressing out. And so I said to my wife, I joked with her, but it was kind of serious. I was like, wow, I know what my clients go through now. Yeah. And so when you go through those things, you understand your clients even more like the next, you know, as I show houses, you know, this weekend and whatever, I'm going to be like, yep, just did this this past weekend. I understand what you're going through. So I, I think like if you can you know, put yourself in their shoes, literally like we did because we looked at a house or even thinking about what they're going through. It makes you better at what you do. So that's really good advice. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Um, I know that my listeners are going to want to hear more about what you're doing, connect with you, listen to your podcast. So if you don't mind sharing, where can we connect with you? What, where's the best? And we'll make sure we get it all in the show notes from you and, and all that. But where's the best place for people to find you and connect with you? Yeah. So the best thing is actually going to be to go to successdevelopmentsolutions.com slash real estate survival guide. At this website, you're going to be able to download a free version of my goal planner worksheet. Now, what this is going to do is help you really start to understand what your definition of success is and start to make goals that will start moving you in that direction and where you should start spending your time. It's a really valuable free resource that I want to give to the listeners of this show. So on that website, you'll also have all of my contact information, the ability to book a call with me, the ability to join our free Facebook group or listen to the podcast or any of the ways that you would like to connect with me. And I really encourage you, like, I don't know if John, I'm sure you felt the same way in the past where you would hear people before you were a host of a show, you would hear people say, God, I love connecting with people that listen to my stuff. You would hear musicians saying, man, I love connecting with my fans. And you'd be like, yeah, but like, they're just supposed to say that. Right. <laughs> and then we do this and I'm like, I truly love connecting with people. So if anything that I've said resonated with you, I would love to know what that is and be able to hear how that's affected you. So please reach out. It's it's so true, though, Amber, I like literally I connected with a realtor today and I'm like, well, here's some advice. And they're like, well, you're like famous. And like, I listen to your podcast like I'd love to. And I'm like, I'm I'm like, I'm a nobody. Like, look, I'm a guy in a hoodie sitting here at my house. Like, please. Like, but I think people need to know that people want to connect with them. People, you know, I think what you're saying is so great. People are craving human connections. I think also in like the post covid two years heck that we de all dealt with, like people are craving connecting with people. So thank you so much for that offer. I know and hope that people will reach out. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. Really appreciate your time. And again, super proud of what you're doing, how you're changing your industry, how you're connecting people through podcast. And just, uh, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was absolutely amazing. And I'm looking forward to returning the favor and having you on my show. Sounds good. Thanks so much. 
What is up, guys? I hope you enjoyed this interview with Amber Furman. She is an amazing friend, and the amazing things that she is doing with More Than Corporate really inspire me. We actually talked yesterday. She recorded an episode for her podcast, and she's just become one of my favorite people, and I'm so proud of what she's accomplished and how she's helping people. Um, So as we kind of wrap up, here are a few of my takeaways from the episode. It's so interesting, I think, You know, I I think as I do these interviews, the more I do them, I realize how many people deal with, you know, trauma and things that happen. And it's, you know, it's sad, you know, and unfortunately it happens. It is a part of life. But I've been so inspired by the people like Justin Shank, like Amber, who, right, lose somebody, struggle after losing, you know, Justin lost his mom, Amber losing her dad. And kind of like from that, you know, in all the, you know, the pain that that causes, really having like a realization that kind of helps them, you know, live you know the way they're supposed to. I love what Amber said about, you know, realizing in a moment after losing her dad and all the trauma she went through that, right, she was trying to just work harder and harder to cover up the pain and that wasn't going to do that. And I just love her entire journey. I love how she's kind of discovered, like she said in the episode, that this isn't the only path, right? There's other ways to, you know, do business, to to make money than to work a job that you hate and do that for the rest of your life, right? You know, I thought it was so interesting how she said, and, I, and I'm highlighting this because I want you realtors out there to remember this. You know, in the episode, Amber says, we don't make a change until it's so bad. I think every week I talk to realtors and so many of you aren't making a change yet because the pain isn't bad enough, right? You don't have to wait until you have a broken leg to try to figure out the pain in your leg, right? And so in the same way, you don't have to wait until it gets bad, just like Amber said, right? You don't have to wait until it's like the worst it's ever been to realize, oh, this isn't working anymore. What am I going to do differently? So, um, you know, and I just love how she's kind of helping people you know, realize that there are other options, realizing kind of how she says, like, that it doesn't have to be this way, realizing that, like, hey, it's okay to, you know, make $80,000 and be comfortable, right? You don't have to work 80, 90, 100 hours a week for success. And so I think that is a big lesson. You know, I love the advice that she gave to herself at the end of the episode where she kind of said, like, I have support, I have opportunities being in the moment, right, and just kind of learning through the TED Talks, you know, Brennan Brown, um, all these different things, like how to kind of build success and kind of recover from all she's been through. And I love her advice to realtors about human connection, right? It's so funny because we just talked about this yesterday when I was on her show, but it's so true that people crave human connection and sometimes they are as afraid as you. So um, you don't need to try to be someone else, right? Communicate in the style that works for you, like care about them, be okay with sharing sharing emotions and being honest with them. So I just love everything Amber is doing with More Than Corporate and her podcast. I hope you guys will check her out. Make sure you check out all the stuff in the show notes to find out what Amber is doing and where you can connect with her. Thank you so much, Amber, for being such an amazing guest today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.